Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, Tim's head won't fit out the door, we shout out to our two favorite Russian listeners, and together we talk about how to show winsome love in the age of outrage. Hey everybody, welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast, episode 10! D-H-E. D-H-E? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Is that Italian? I switched to Italiano. Oh, I can't wait. To, all right, so what is 13? No idea. Excellent. Linguini, I think. Linguini, yeah. yeah. Now you just get to come up with names like I do. Mm-hmm. My name is Jeff, and with me, as always, is C. Thurston Howell, and running the board is Bet Milder. I worked hard on those names, and yeah, isn't there more things that you could do than work on those names no. during the week? No, that's all you have. That is all. Well, I'm very efficient. I get everything I I need to get done by Mondays at noon, and then mm-hmm. I spend the rest of the time. I just try to make Josie laugh or smile, but alas, maybe on episode Alfredo. Yeah, it's good that we dispel the rumor that pastors only work on Sunday mornings. No, definitely not. That is absolutely not true. We also work a little bit on Mondays. Oh, okay. And then whenever we have our staff meetings. Got it. Guys, thanks so much for... This is exciting. This is episode 10. We've now made it into double digits. So I think Josie's probably going to work in some you know, sound effects of uh, celebration horns. Boing, 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 boing. I mean, yeah. it's going to be very exciting to hear what he does Great. with this. Man, things are happening so fast. On the podcast? No. Because well, I, mean, I feel sure. like we're kind of taking off slow already. You want to start over? No. Okay. Hey, everybody. No, all right. We'll just stay where we are. Things are happening so quickly in our world, and we're going to have to discuss these things. Now that we are recording, like, so we record weeks out, which is sort of strange for us to be this far out and prepared. Yeah. So we talk about current events, and it, it really helps our listeners when they listen to things that happened three weeks ago. And right. We, exactly. Yeah. So the question would be, do we need to start doing these podcasts on the fly? And the answer to that is probably no. That's up to you. No. You're the pro- producer. That's right. I just like hearing you say that. I'm the EP. This is... Uh, <laughs> so... Today, we are less than 24 hours behind, or I guess away from, the vice presidential debate. Correct. It just happened, is Correct. what I'm saying. Poorly. Flygate. Flygate. Yeah. That fly was so dumb. Yeah. It's just, it, the, the there there was really no substance to the debate, and so people were like, hey, a fly, let's make fun of the fly. Did you watch the debate? No, but I, I read some transcripts afterwards. I No, I did not watch the debate. Five minutes of it, and... Uh, I mean, God bless Pence and and Kamala. They're both boring people. The episode, I mean, I'll call it the episode. The debate was so incredibly boring. Yeah. And it was refreshing. It was just boring people. It was refreshing. It was it refreshing. Was, but it really wasn't. So debates are, are not supposed to be what it was in the first one with, with the presidential right. one that we've already lamented, right? Um, but they're not supposed to be boring. They're supposed to be chock full of ideas and positions and policies and the only thing that they did for five minutes Kamala complained about Trump and Pence complained about um, Biden and Mm -hmm. that's that's all I heard for five minutes I'm like all right I'm done 
I'm yeah, I'm done. Uh, maybe they actually had real conversation, but that's all I heard. What was amazing is they spent 90 minutes not answering a single question. Mm-hmm. It yep. was wild. I mean, and Pence actually, I think, did that probably more than Kamala did. I mean, he was able to, the moderator would ask him a question. He would say, thank you for that, Susan. I'm now going to talk about this. Do they, I'm sure they stuck to their time though, right? Are you being facetious? Did they stick to their two minutes that they had? Did they talk over each other? So there was not a lot of crosstalk. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Pence. I did see in the five minutes, <laughs> Pence went over his two minutes like twice. And the, the moderator just kept saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. She's thank very you. polite. Yeah. I mean, and he was polite. He just kept on going. Yeah. He yeah. was like, oh, no, thank you very much for uh, <laughs> for not like I'm not going to allow you to interrupt me. Um, yeah, that was that was annoying. I wish he hadn't done that. Because here's the thing: what ended up happening was so many people looked at that when the whole thing was over. They were like, "Man, Pence just talked nonstop." But when they yeah. actually did like a runtime of who spoke more, Kamala actually had more speaking time. I feel like you didn't if you, feel like it though. I feel like if you had like uh, some sort of machine from the Jetsons and you pushed a button on it that said "Produce a politician," mm. Pence would pop out. Hundred like, percent. Oh, he just is the polished. Yeah. Not a single hair out of place, never stutters. He's just, he's a, he is a polished politician. Yeah. And I mean, it was sort of nice to get back to politics, which I hate to, to say where people weren't answering questions and they weren't forthcoming and they just, they, they nicely lied to us. Like that was, that was fun. I mean, I have a short memory, but it weren't debates. Didn't they have substance at some point in time in the past? I mean, ish. Okay. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. They're not, they were not as fiery as they are now. The only thing I remember reading a quote, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't old enough to stay up, stay awake that long, but um, I think it was uh, Reagan uh, was running against somebody who was young and the attack was against Reagan. He was so old. He was so old. He was so old. And basically Reagan, I'm I'm paraphrasing, said, you know, I'm I'm not going to get into age and how it's going to affect the presidency, especially how young my opponent or young and inexperienced my opponent is. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, there was nothing like that last night. And and to be fair, I do blame the moderator a little bit. She asked way too many questions. They too tried many to, questions. Too many questions. Like Because she said, we're going to cover in this 90 minutes nine topics, and you're going to have like two minutes apiece. And so there, there really wasn't time for substance, um, but it still was boring, and I watched the whole thing. But to set up, which I know we're not going into yet because you have more nonsense to talk about. So but, much more. Um, at the end, I did read the transcript that there was a, a question from an eight- Grader that basically said, "If mm. you guys can't get along, how are we going to get along?" That, that ergo, really, Christians mm. in the age of outrage. It it almost. I'm, I'm not being. I'm not kidding when I say this. I got choked up a little bit when I heard that question mm-hmm. because it was at the very end. It was the best part of the debate mm-hmm. where Susan Page, I believe, was the moderator. She read that question from an eighth grader yeah. that basically said, "How is it that we are supposed to get along?" Did they answer the question though? No. Okay. No, I mean they they both gave I thought good answers for not knowing that question was coming. Yeah, I think it, it, the transcripts I read said Kamala said, well, Joe Biden is known for reaching across the aisle. Okay, mm-hmm. great. And then Pence said, well, Scalia and uh, RBG got along. Mm-hmm. Which again, yeah. they're, they're answers, but they're not answers. Yeah, no, they, they politicianed it well. Sure. And now the news is out that there's going to be a virtual debate next no, week. No, there's not because he's not going to yeah, do it. Exactly. Trump won't show up to that. Probably because you can mute people on Zoom. Like that would be his only thing. Would they would just mute him and not tell him they muted him, and then he would just keep. You would just see him in the background, just going off the whole time. 
Um, I would love to see what their background, their virtual backgrounds would be. Oh, I, it, all I, it, I hope it goes through and I hope it is virtual <laughs> and I hope it is on Zoom because <laughs> I own Zoom stock. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that'd be great. That's fine. <clears throat> so I don't know if you saw Saturday Night Live. Yeah. We have a new vice president. I, yeah. Yeah. Jim Carrey. I, I watched the cold open and mm-hmm. then like the first two SNL is stupid man there's just I have not, I've yet to, to like I, the, it's always been like in a show you have like one good sketch sure. two if you're lucky yeah I don't know I just can't find any humor in it anymore but uh, anyway but the cold open was it, there was humor in it for sure Jim Carrey I think did a good good Biden yeah sure. he did do a good I was surprised yeah. I mean he did he did a little bit of Jim Carrey and that can be annoying yeah it was it was Jim it was the cross between Joe Biden and Fire Marshal Bill 100 percent. that's yeah. exactly what I was just about to say yeah and Maya Rudolph as uh as Kamala mm-hmm. she's great no, Alec Baldwin as Trump is great. Sure. I mean, it's hilarious. The only thing that concerns me is if Trump wins re-election, and he's probably not going to make it all four years to the end of that. Um, what? Well, because, I mean, he'll get ousted somehow. I don't know if you heard this yet, oh. but Nancy Pelosi just today said that tomorrow they're going to be talking about invoking the 25th Amendment. Which is? Removing him from office because he is, like, unable to you know, to, to carry out because of mental capacity. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Just, just mental acuity or whatever. He's sick and whatever. But the thing is what she doesn't games, realize is just political games, but they can't do that. I mean, that has to come from Pence in the cabinet. So it's just kind of dumb that she's like, I'm going to get people together. It's a terrible Nancy Pelosi and talk games. about things that I have no control over, yeah, but it's just to get your name in the head in the headlines. Yeah, for sure. Since we had our last podcast mm-hmm. just one week ago, Trump, Contracted the coronavirus, went to the hospital, then expanded and healed himself. Oh wow! Yeah, at least that's according to him. That was, that was it. He he went to the hospital I for did, coronavirus. Yeah, I did read that he basically told the doctors get out of the way <laughs> and let me diagnose myself. And right. Then, right. This is the medicine I want. I don't care what you say. Right. Sure. Okay. I want this. I want this rare thing that hasn't been FDA approved. I want to do this. This experimental cocktail and sure. and I think I believe you said it was crushing up some ibuprofen and putting it in his pudding. Yeah. yeah. A little little snack pack. Yeah. Yeah. A little snack pack. If it I mean it sounds like he had the coronavirus. I mean it's so weird to think that it Yeah. I mean I don't know. Like it it's if he did have it or if he has it, I hope that there is a, a recovery for him and sure. everyone else who sure. got contracted it as well. Hundred percent. At the same time, it is so hard to believe anything that comes out of his or anybody's, any of these, our political, any of them. It's so hard to believe anything that comes out because it, 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 everything seems to be a political stunt. Like, so I'm a, I'm a Maryland football fan. We're in the Big Ten. And I don't, I don't know if you saw the tweets or, you know, so the Big Ten basically came out and said, we're not going to have football this fall. And then right. President Trump threw his muscle into the thing, <laughs> into the conversation. And so then from all of those conversations, Big Ten's going to, you know, start back up, albeit late. Um, but Trump basically is saying, you know, I did this. I brought back Big Ten football. And, you know, the reason why he wanted to do that is because that's Penn State, Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's a swing. Yeah, Ohio, Ohio State. That's a swing. There's a lot of swing states in that, and so again, again, man, I just—it's hard to believe that anything is genuine anymore because everything is all about the electorate and how do you get votes. Yeah, so, I don't know. He came out of the hospital. He made a statement. Speedy yesterday. recovery, President yeah, Trump. Yep. Yeah. And everyone else. 
which I mean is the weird thing to me is if all of these people have contracted it at this, uh, the, you know, through the white house, mm-hmm. we've not heard any updates on anybody else. Here's my, which thing, is man. weird to me. How is the first lady? So, so we, we heard the news. I think days she's ago. well, I think, I, I mean, hope so. I thought there was more. Yeah. No, so, I mean, it was, yeah. it was the president of the first lady contracted COVID. Right. right? And then we, I've heard nothing about Melania since. Right. I mean, how is she? Yeah. I mean, again, this is why it's just so hard. I don't know. It's so hard. I think Trump was kind of bragging a little bit. He was like, she's younger than I am. She's doing better, you know, but he's like, but I'm great. So, but this she's is what not, we're coming to now. We're going to have you doing no, voice I don't, impressions. No, it's not. It wasn't a very good one either. Yeah. I'm not pleased with it. We'll just edit it out. Josie, just like get a real clip of him saying that. But he did come out and say, I saw the thing yesterday, statement he made where he said that getting COVID was a blessing from God. Mm. That's a strange thing to say. Yeah. What's your reaction to that? <laughs> I mean, for me, pick one. It's either manufactured in a, in a lab from China and it's the Wuhan China, you know, virus, mm-hmm. or it's a blessing from God to pick one. Cause I don't think it's both. Yeah. My thing would be when bad things befall individuals and you can see how God worked in those things in okay. your life individually. Okay, great. You know, yeah. yeah when, when, when this bad thing happened to me, but when that same bad thing happened to hundreds of thousands of people millions. and then millions, right. But then hundreds of thousands of people died from that thing mm-hmm. that you just sort of got over very quickly. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing it, from what people say, some people have, tough bouts with COVID mm-hmm. who are young and healthy. And, mm-hmm. and then you have other people who are older who don't struggle with it very much at all. And it sounds like he was in that latter group sure. who didn't have a tough time with it. And great. I'm glad, but there were some people who really had a tough time with it. And when Same you way. have people who cannot say goodbye to their loved ones to get up and go, this is a blessing from God. I'm going to go. Mm, that's fairly insensitive to say. That's I don't I don't like that. So that was my reaction. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think any any opportunity for any politician to invoke God to try to get votes. Mm-hmm. And a, so let me ask you, we now I guess where we are now, we're still a good three and a half weeks away from the election itself. Are you going to ask me who I'm voting for? No, oh. no, because I know you're voting for Joe Jorgensen. Um, do you even Ma- know who Mickey that Mouse, is? Do you know maybe, who Joe know. Jorgensen is? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know. Like, you're a political agnostic. Libertarian, sure. right? Yeah. 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 Um, when people listen to this episode, it'll drop literally the week before the election. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen? Josie, do you have your iPad? No? All right. Learn sign language real quick. And so I want you, you to tell predict, me. Predict. So yeah, prophesy. Prophesy what is going to happen in three and a half weeks. What do you, who do you think will come out on top? What do you oh, think happens? Oh, I, I think, oh, okay, I gotcha. So you're, you're not saying prophesy what's going to happen on the 27th of October when this episode is coming out. You're saying after the election, who is going to win? Sure. What do you is, think happens October 3rd? I mean, November 3rd. October 3rd, I can tell you exactly yeah. what happened. <laughs> November 3rd of 2020. Here's what the do thing. you think is the outcome? So, so I have already recorded my, my sermon for the Sunday after, which is November 8th. Yeah. And, um, I wrote that message like a month ago or two months ago or something. And as I've gotten close to, and then I recorded it and after I've recorded it, which it's already in stone, not going back and doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've realized that I wrote that message, assuming that I was going to be speaking to two different groups of people happy because their candidate won and angry because their candidate lost. Sure. 
I now that I've recorded that, I don't think we're going to have a winner for weeks after the election day. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you think there's there's no clear winner? Stalemate. Okay. Yep. All right. I think it will be 2000 and you're hanging chads on steroids. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That'll be fun. Good. So that gives us a whole lot more. Well, you know what's going to be weird is when we go to record the podcasts that are going to play after the election and we're going to be talking about what happened and nothing's going to have happened at that point if yours comes true. I will say this after 2016, I don't think anybody knows anything Mm -hmm. like I used to be able to go. Oh yeah. I think this is what's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. And my jaw hit the floor on Wednesday morning when I woke up. Yeah, totally. I was like, this is not what just happened. Uh, So it's entirely possible Trump wins and it's entirely possible. He doesn't win a single state. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand politics anymore. Uh, But let's have, a good conversation. We have had some listener feedback. I heard from my brother-in-law who has started listening and he's an extremely smart fellow. When I found out that he was listening to the podcast, I was like, Oh, this is, he's a professor. He has his doctorate. At some point I want to get him on the show. We just have to figure out what it's our friends and family who are keeping this podcast alive. (laughs) God bless you. No, no. We were talking about it in pre. So we can look at the analytics of who listens. We have people who are listening in Russia. Yeah, but but that's Russia. Yeah, I know you, you told me that, but that's because Putin has eyes and ears everywhere. Okay? That's fine. But he's but there's two people listening from Russia. So it's at least Putin oh. and someone else. Okay. Yeah, we had Isn't, someone in Russia and somebody in what was the, the NSA whistleblower guy at Snowden? Snowden. Is, he's still in Russia, isn't he? Maybe. What's up, big Ed? Hey How man. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> that's no, I was I was excited. And and we we had somebody, oh, so my brother-in-law, Adam, we will get him on the podcast at mm. some point because he's just too smart to not talk to. And he said, I enjoy listening to the podcast. It's like fun Fridays without the fun. Yeah, that's wonderful. Oh, thanks. And man. so for those of you who have no idea what fun Friday was during the COVID quarantine, Jeff and I would broadcast to our church uh, trivia games and, and, and sing-alongs and all this kind of stuff. And so that was, that was our fun Fridays. That was our fun Fridays. And yeah. so it was like, Hey, I get a weekly dose of YouTube bozos talking and well, Adam, you don't have to listen, dude, turn it off. No, Adam, listen oh. and then tell us what to say. Like send us texts. I mean, it'll be three weeks later, but we can, uh, we'll improve. We'll get him on the show. We also had a nice little Facebook comment from uh, a new friend named Nicole. No idea where she's from. Um, have no idea how she found the show, but she posted on our latest fa- uh, our latest Facebook post that we do have some liberal listeners who love Jesus. And I thought that's amazing that she would. Well, no, 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 wow. no. In fact, I'm actually for real. No, stop. I'm going to get into the, uh, I'm going to get into that in a second for, I apologize for what I said last week. But uh, it was it was really nice to hear somebody who we have no affiliation with, who is not friends and family and morally obligated to listen to us to basically say it's just really nice to go. Hey, we got people on both sides of the aisle who are listening and uh, we appreciate all of you who are tuning in. Sure. And two then, sides of the aisle, but most importantly, one kingdom that umbrellas at all. Uh, that's why you get paid the big bucks. Yeah. And then in the last 48 hours, I've gotten two messages from uh, some ladies who listen and this, these were actually very, very special uh, messages. Have we gotten any hate mail yet? No. I mean, aside from the initial Facebook, sure, you know, yeah, everybody yeah, getting yeah. mad at that. Yeah. But no, not yet. Yeah. So back in episode number three, we were talking about legalism. Mm-hmm. 
you gave a confession where you talked about how you were the youth pastor at this church. Yeah. A young lady got pregnant yeah. and based on experiences that we had growing up in the youth group, we had a friend who had gotten pregnant and was made to stand up in front of the church and kind of acknowledge her sin mm-hmm. in front of everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that kind of colored how we understood ministry. And then when actually being in it, then all of a sudden, Oh man, this really seems wrong. Mm-hmm. And we got a message from the woman who was our friend during mm-hmm. that time. Who's still our friend sure. and who listened. I had no idea she was listening. Um, she's a very busy lady, so I don't know why she would listen. And, just commenting on how, when you talked about that, how much it meant to her to hear that story come out and to hear that because of what she had to go through, someone else did not have to go through that. Yeah. And so we are, um, that message meant a lot because, you know, we can look at, we joke about looking at the, I mean, we do look at the analytics right before we go on the show to go, Oh, who can we do a shout out to? And what's up Russia? Uh, but to know that there are people who are, who are going through this and when we don't have a ton of listeners, I was looking at like, how do you get sponsorships? Like what do you, cause it, the hosting thing that we do tells us, Oh, here's, you know, put together a little package and get some sponsors. And mm-hmm. we're not ever going to have any sponsors based on the, the analytics that they said. No. Um, but to hear that there are people who are going, Oh man, to hear that story and to know that my, my experience brought healing and, and helped somebody else. And sure. then I got a message from my cousin who basically said within the same 24 hours, just listen to the podcast on legalism. I had a friend who went through almost the exact same thing when I was younger. She says, I, you know, I consider myself on the left. Mm-hmm. I love Jesus. But that experience of seeing her friend go through that really did a number mm-hmm. on her, on her friend and yeah. her view of the church. Yeah. So I don't really know what to say, uh, except ladies, we love you on behalf of churches everywhere. We are sorry that you had to experience that. That should not have happened. We aren't doing that with other people uh, and their sins, making them, putting them on display. That's just, it's just wrong. Um, but we want you to know you're not alone, that Jesus loves you and we are doing everything we can to try to get better at following him. So thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience with us when we don't get things right. We really appreciate you. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, if you were checking us out from Russia or from next door, we are uh, just super grateful for you. Email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you or send us a message on Facebook. We would love to continue all of these conversations. And uh, thank you so much for, for tuning in. All right. We're going to get into our book here in just a second, but this does kind of tie in with the second portion of our conversation today. Hashtag blessed Tim. Let's, let's have a little bit of fun. Mm. What is the worst and or dumbest social media argument you've ever started or participated in? Of course I've never started an argument. So wrong. You've already acknowledged on this podcast that you have been a bomb thrower. Yeah. I don't, I mean, so here's the thing. You you asked me to kind of prep that and, um, and come up with a specific example. And I, I don't know that I have one because I, I try to, block the bad and you know just learn from my mistakes but also try not to remember a lot of the specifics of those you know moments of mm-hmm. debate but i have gone in um i have let, well let's say this uh, on facebook i have seen other people in the comment section of different debates go in guns blazing sure and i have not been able to temper my speech to say you know what uh i probably should just let this person go because i'm not going to 
affect any kind of good change here. I've thought, you know what, I'm going to step in and I'm going to shoot my bullets off as well. And let's just create some big fight. And uh, I, every time I do that, every time I click send, I, I, I realize I've done the wrong thing every single time. Um, but I, I, I haven't done that in a, quite some time. And so, uh, I don't know. I, I've lost a little bit of my hot-headedness. Now, if you want to talk about when I've been hot-headed at like a sporting event and yelled at people around me, we can sure. have all kinds of those conversations. But social media, um, I've, I've only really gotten into a few little things and none of them have really been heated because I've walked away after like the first punch kind of thing. So, I'll just punch and leave. Josie, can you add in some uh, golf clap applause or something for Tim for being so good? Oh, that's so nice. So the dumbest, I don't know if it's the dumbest, but it's the one that's in my head. The, one of the dumbest uh, arguments I've gotten in was trying to convince people that Die Hard was a Christmas movie. And, and the thing was, is that I knew that the person that I was arguing with was actually really taking it seriously. And a lot of times when people take it seriously, I like to poke a little bit. And, um, and I just was really trying to ruin his day by solid arguments that it is a Christmas movie. And how long did this take you? I mean, it was like in the, in the course of an hour back and forth. I mean, it mm-hmm. wasn't like daily, but it was basically my argument was it takes place at Christmas. The soundtrack is Christmas. There's a scene where he kills a guy and says, you know, writes on the thing. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. But the biggest where it really got the man upset was when, I basically said it's a story about a man who leaves his home to go rescue people at Christmas time who did not love him and want his help. And that is the Christmas story. And so basically John McClane is like a modern day. It's, it's a, it's a nativity story basically. Um, Hans now did you Gruber, say that to try to win an argument or do you, did you say that because you actually believe it to win an argument? Okay. I mean, I believe die hard is a, die hard is a Christmas movie, but, uh, but I use that argument just because I know it would poke him. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today about, you know, being careful about what we say. I do want to say this um, f- for the section on, I apologize what I said last week. I've been re-listening to the podcast that we've done over the past couple of weeks that haven't been released yet. Uh, but Josie and I have been working on, um, he edits them and then I tell him, Hey man, you did a great job. But one of the things I noticed that we have done a lot in the last few episodes is we talk about people who will no longer be listening to our podcast that basically we've kind of gone and said, Oh, no one's going to listen. Our church members are going to leave and and we're just going to make people mad. And I had conversations with a guy from our church who was like, yeah, I don't agree with everything that you guys are saying, but I mean, at least we can have the conversation and still listen. And it's not. And I thought, you know what? That's, that's correct. Because there are a number of people out there who are, who are reasonable and can have discussion and, Mm -hmm. and can. And I think you and I spend so much time only hearing from people who are not of that persuasion. And I don't think that's the makeup of our audience. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, so it, uh, I saw him for saying those things for sure. And at this, I apologize for Tim. Yes. At, at the end of the day, if everybody believed with everything we said, that would be pretty scary. I mean, I don't yeah. agree with everything you say and vice versa when that's good, which by the way, anytime we have this little segment every week, uh, I apologize for what I said last week. I don't, I, I never know what I said last week cause, yeah. and I don't want you to send me the file for me to listen to what I said last week. Yeah. So basically every week I'm giving you uh, accountability for all the listeners. I'm giving you carte blanche to say, Tim, this is what you need to apologize for what you said last week. Hmm. How about that? More than, more than happy. Yeah. I'll probably never say those words. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
the guy who determines my salary. Here's a thing that you need to apologize for, and I apologize on his behalf. Guys, if you've got your books, we are in, I don't even remember what week we're in. This is technically part four. It's called part four, but I think it's actually our fifth episode. And when we go back to the Christians in the Age of Outrage, episode seven, I made a comment that we're going to do this over four episodes. And I think it's going to be like nine. I don't know. But we will be done next week on our election day special. I think we're all going to wear suits for it. Red ties, blue ties, whatever you want to wear. We can purple ties. That's probably Tim. We We will do that. Yeah, and it sounds so, good. I'm up for it. You want to wear a suit next week? Do I want to? Sure. Okay. You're not going to do it. I'm I'm telling you that it I sounds like a it. great idea. I might do it. It'd be a good photo op for the Instas. Okay. Yeah, we'll get on that. Right. We are working through Ed Stetzer's book, Christians in the Age of Outrage. And today we're going to deal with chapters 9 and chapters 10. Yeah. So last week, we are actually over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at the reality of the culture that convictional Christians are in the minority. Uh, We've been looking at the culture of outrage and our role in it as convictional Christians in the minority. And so last week, we discussed the need for a gospel worldview, how that will reshape the world, how uh, how we see the world. And today, I'm excited about this because we're going to somewhat shift to the positives. There's been a lot of, hey, hey, we shouldn't be doing this, and I'm sure that'll still come in, but... Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about what we should be doing as Christians in the age of outrage. In these two chapters, chapter nine really begins to talk about winsome love, Mm -hmm. love that attracts love that draws people. And basically what Stetzer is saying, his, his initial is that people crave love. All you need is love. See, that would have been a good time. All you need is love. Now I want to say, all you need is is love. Love. Love Love is all you need. We are called to be people of love. Was that McCartney or was that? um, It was just the Beatles. Well, yeah, but who was? Okay, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think they all shared on it, except for nobody let Ringo sing. Uh, And we'll get notes from people going, will you let Ringo sing? But the idea is people crave love, and as Christians, that should sort of be good news because we are called to be people of love. Mm-hmm. And so this should be easy. If we're just doing what Jesus said, this, you know, but our love is inconsistent. It's a little bit hypocritical. We love the people closest to us. We've been talking about tribalism. We've been talking about our groups and the things that we, uh, the people that we connect with, and we don't show that love outwardly. So great. Sure, because we define love the way we want to define it, right? Absolutely. So love for us is something that we can say um, as opposed to, eh, I don't really have to get around to doing it, right? So yeah. I can say something. I can say it from, you know, for online. I can say it from around the world. I can say I love people. But the minute that it causes me to sacrifice or to pay something, costs me, mm-hmm. then no, I'm good. But that's 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 love. Love is always sacrificial. So. Yeah. And that's definitely going to come up in uh, in later in this chapter. Um, what Stetzer spends a lot of time doing is at least laying out on the front end how the gospel is offensive, right? And the gospel is offensive because what it does is it confronts people in their sin. Mm-hmm. That when people understand that there's a story about how we are sinful, God is holy, he sends Jesus to save us from our sin. The gospel, the good news is basically, hey, you're a horrible person and Jesus died for you, and you have a way out of this mess. And that's to everyone. That's not to saying, hey, those are the non-Christians. That's to all of us. Like, we acknowledge we are not great people. We are all in need of a Savior. God will judge. And that is considered a controversial statement because you're telling people, 
you are doing something wrong and you will be judged for it. So that's sort why of. the gospel is offensive. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Sort of. But I, I mean, plenty of people with secular worldview or with even an atheistic worldview might, might even sometimes say, well, only God can judge me. Sure. And well, then, we say that to get out of, because we don't sure. believe. Yeah. We just basically say, just shut up. And we say, God will judge me because God is loving and he's yeah. more loving than you are. So I can get away with it. And my retort is that's what I'm trying to warn you about. The offensiveness of the gospel, though, does not mean that we are to be offensive. That too often what happens is in our understanding of, oh, the gospel will confront, uh, people will not like this. We think if we go tell people about the gospel and they don't like us or they reject us, um, that we've done something right. But by and large, what is happening is the way we are pointing out sin, the way we are calling out and saying, Hey, you are not perfect. You are sinful is, is kind of done in a nasty way. Sure. Yeah. I mean, pastors and theologians will tell you all the time that in the scripture, you'll find three different types of love, right? There's a phileo love, the brotherly love. There's an eros love, which is kind of an intimate sexual love. And then there's agape love, which is the love that comes from God. And so if we are the people of God and the kingdom of God and his you know, mission sending agency into the world, we then technically, the argument could be made, we are the only ones bringing this agape, godly, sacrificial type of love into the world. And so the world is counting on us and God is quite honestly counting on us to do so. Uh, And that's going to cause us to sacrifice and to pay because that's the love that Christ shown. So, um, yeah, but but too many Christians, we would rather just hide behind the keyboard and we'll get to that. Well, and one of the things I really like that he points us out by saying that in an effort to be loving, mm-hmm. we can often water down the offensiveness of the gospel sure. that we could say, okay, we're going to kind of pull back because we don't want to, we don't want to offend you. We don't want to hurt you. We want to be. And he says here, when we try to discount the offensiveness of the gospel, we may lower the exclusive and necessary claims of Christ along with God's call to holiness. Yeah. And so he's saying that, in an effort to win people, we actually lower the bar and, and don't make sin as bad as it is because we don't want to talk about that. That's uncomfortable. We don't want people to feel confronted. Sure. And so in the best that we can do, the most loving thing we can do is to then not tell them exactly what's happening. And so I really like the fact that Stetcher is saying, look, we don't have to pull back on the severity of our sin, the mm-hmm. God's judgment all of that. This is not saying, hey, because we have called you to love that you are anti-disagreement. You can still disagree with people, but it's in how that you do that and how you communicate that. Right. And how we do that on this podcast is, and, and hopefully you and I in our lives is we're just honest about our failures and we right. have moments of confession. Yeah. And so we don't come on our high horse of perfection to say, hey, you need to, you know, be perfect. We come in our sin saying we've been forgiven. We would love for you to be forgiven as well. Um, and that means, and then the message, while it still might be offensive to a lot of people, like you mentioned, and like Stetzer does, the message can be offensive and often is, but the messenger never should be. And how you become someone who is not offensive is not walking in on your high horse, but honestly coming in with your face on the ground. Yeah. To start off by saying, this is not, I'm not there. I'm not perfect. Humility. That, humility. And that is, that is so huge. We're going to talk about that. So what Stetcher says is that 
the offensiveness of the gospel does not give license for Christians to be offensive. When we respond to pushback from others with hostility, it is not the offensiveness of the gospel that damages our witness and reinforces negative stereotypes of Christians. It's us. Mm -hmm. That we're the thing that is offensive. Uh, But at the same time, we, though we carry the um the fix for the world we are not the fix right um and and when he mentions here in page 200 no one nowhere is there a love that overcomes barriers death sin captivity separation fear alienation purposelessness except at the cross there there's hope for racial reconciliation peace between the sexes ethnic harmony uh ethnic harmony and for the healing when we rally around the common identity in christ Love him as our redeemer and serve his kingdom. We are the ones who are bringing the salve to the world, which can heal the world. But we can also, we can also make the cure look not great because mm. we get in the way of the gospel. So we need to remove ourselves, remove our own piety, and remove our own, you know, pride, so that the gospel can do the work that it needs to do. What I really like that Stetzer says on 199 is when we claim to have the love of Christ, but don't show it to others through our actions and words, we demonstrate that we have not been truly gripped by grace and our own desperate need of it. Basically, it's what we talked about a couple weeks ago with is the Holy Spirit working through you to love in this way. Sure. And on that, I love the quote that you just read on 200 at the very bottom. I circled it over and over again. Uh, we need to recapture how attractive the gospel is and how central the truth is to our witness Mm -hmm. that we need to fall back in love with Jesus because if we're not living, if he's not living out through us, then that love is not going to be displayed correctly. Sure, The gospel is offensive only to those people who don't understand the depth of their sin and the judgment that is coming. It's offensive to them, but for those of us who have tasted it and have seen and have understood it, it is the most attractive thing that we could ever know is the gospel. And so we have to fall back in love with the gospel first before we then would um, be able to go and and take it to the world. So he mentions in here, like the way we do that would be more, be more empathetic, humble, you know, make sure we see the people are born and made in the image of God, but also uh, do so sacrificially. Did you want to talk through those four different things real quick? Yeah. So I'll start with empathy because I don't have any, and um, it's it's I, I'm readily tell our church all the time that I I struggle with empathy, and so uh, at the same time I also preach this to our church a lot, and every time I preach to the church I'm preaching it to me. Um, when we as people who tasted have tasted and, and know grace, when we see people who uh, like Jesus would describe as sheep without a shepherd, and He feels compassion for them. Um, I, I am one who I don't feel compassion first. Often I feel disgust first mm-hmm. and disgust as, um, as Stetzer makes mention in here, disgust is the opposite of what we should be feeling. This compassion towards people who are wayward and don't understand the right. path for peace. Like when Jesus weeps over Jerusalem, um, my first reaction in my sin is to look over Jerusalem and say, eh, they had it coming. They had it coming. You made these choices. Yeah. Yeah, I love that he is talking about disgust here, and that's something that we have mentioned. You mentioned it a couple weeks ago uh, when we were, I, I think it was on the, it might have been on the Good Samaritan podcast, um, but just talking about are you disgusted by the people or are you disgusted by the sin? Oh, that's are right. You, I already mentioned that here, didn't I? No, no, but it's good. Oh. I mean, this is something we need to revisit sure. uh, because disgust is so significant and it should be 
nowhere near the Christian in mm-hmm. terms of how we view other people. And it breeds the outrage because right. the left is disgusted by the right, the right disgusted by the left. You can't love the thing you're disgusted at. And it impacts the way that we see other people. Sure. And so if we just would, a lot of times we hide behind this idea of I'm disgusted at somebody's sin. When in reality, if you were to pull back those layers, you would go, I'm actually really disgusted at that person. I heard the story of, um, I, we mentioned earlier Scalia and RBG. Mm-hmm. And I heard a story about, um, somebody came into Scalia's office at one point in time and saw there was like a dozen roses. And somebody said, what are the roses for? And Scalia said that it's actually, you know, uh, Bader Ginsburg, it's her birthday. And so I was going to give, and the guy who was there, who was a very staunch conservative said, well, what you really, you're going to celebrate her birthday. You guys are friends and all that kind of stuff. And, and basically the question to Scalia from this gentleman who was visiting the office was, uh, so you celebrating her and being nice to her and all that kind of stuff. How many votes is that going to garner you or how many, you know, decisions is that right. actually going to help your, um, you know, your, your point of view and his response was something to the effect of, well, sometimes the person is more important than the point, basically strong. Um, that, you know, sometimes there's more important things than the vote. Right. And we lose that when we just become so disgusted at people yeah. that we want nothing to do with them. And we need to recognize that where that disgust is coming from is a misunderstanding of our own sin. Yeah. We have this idea that because we have a relationship with Christ that we've been forgiven for this pretty much. If, if you look back on our, on our, on our lives, all of us, uh, we've got stuff we're exceptionally unproud of yeah. things that we've done prior to understanding Jesus. And for some of us, like you and I, who met Jesus real early in life, uh, we still built a testimony mm. and we still did some things after coming to Christ that we would probably be disgusted at some point in our lives, sure. if we were to look and see that in other people's lives. Sure. And we have to come back and recognize what they are doing and the sin that we might say, Oh, we're disgusted at like that's, that's in our story. Sure. Or we could very easily be those people that it would be very easy to be disgusted at. Which why is why he brings up humility next. Right. Um, that we need to come into the public square and into conversations and into relationship with people with humility. Uh, I don't know what, um, I wrote this down. I don't know what page it's on. Setzer says, winsome love doesn't mean that we accept or embrace the other people's positions. It simply means that we avoid the hostile debate. Winsome love doesn't speak to whether we disagree. Rather, it shapes the way in which we disagree. Yeah. And he says that Christians in the age of outrage don't say love the sinner, hate the sin. Instead, they say love the sinner as I have been loved, mm. that it comes back to an acknowledgement of this is who I was. And this is what Christ has done for me in the section where Stetzer is talking about humility Christians in the age of outrage. He says they preface cultural engagement with humility rather than hostility and tribalism. And he has this idea that's going to come out in uh, my confession mm-hmm. called hunting for the nightmare where in a debate setting or just in an argument setting, you basically are able to beat other people down with your reasoning, with your logic or come up with some little clever thing to make them feel stupid. And that becomes their nightmare that you are hunting for the nightmare. And on page 10 or 210, he says, in reality, Christians are more interested in stomping on others with witty sound bites. 
in an effort to like defend our position, defend Christianity. It's, it's less about, I want to really have a strong argument here and more about, I just want you to feel dumb. And if you feel dumb, then you will walk away and I will have won this fight. If I win the fight, then I'm better than you. Sure. Yeah. Because that's a position, a loving position, right? Cowering over your opponent while they are trapped in a corner. Stetzer talks about how the kind of humility that we should show is the kind that Jesus shows, the kind that kills pride. It revives dialogue. It allows us to forbear with other people. Yeah. And one of the issues he brings up, I really liked on page 213. It's something that we don't talk a lot about in church. It's not something that we consider to be a quality that we look for Mm. um, and and honor. But he says, it is a lie of our outrage-fueled culture that meekness and humility are inferior to the screech and the bellowing of the arrogant. Mm. And cursed, I lo- are the meek. cursed are the meek, right? Exactly. Yeah. Almost, almost. I think there was a different word there. Or pathetic are the meek. Nope. I think the issue is that because meek rhymes with weak, mm. we think that's what it means. When in reality, meekness, I pulled this off a of Bible study. Um, meekness is an active and deliberate acceptance of undesirable circumstances that are wisely seen by the individual as only part of a larger picture. It's basically saying, I understand that the situation I am in right now may be challenging, but I am not going to fight in such a way and, and, and cry and rip things down in outrage. I am going to control my strength Mm -hmm. and accept that this is a temporary part of God's plan. Yeah, meekness is a characteristic of the kingdom, but I don't think it's ever really been a characteristic in any other society outside of the kingdom that has been honored. I mean, it's it is it is very much an upside down characteristic. Uh, same with humility. I mean, humility is not really honored either. People who are humble are walked over. People who are meek are walked over. It's the world of the powerful. It's an idea of saying. I'm so strong in this situation that I don't have to fight back against you. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think is certainly something we should strive for. But in doing that, it will be often misunderstood as weakness. So what because is it? You're not fighting back. Yeah. So what is it then when Christians are seeking not to be humble or not seeking to be meek, but are seeking power? I don't know. To be in the position of making decisions and to be an authority. Now, I mean, certainly, again, this kind of comes back to the vote, right? Like, we want to vote, um, but I, I think I think we have to decide, do we need to be in a position of power to still have an effective kingdom? And I would say that answer is no. No. Right? So, like, we, we can vote and we can want a preferred outcome, but if that preferred outcome doesn't come, we still are the light of the world mm-hmm. who, in this country or other countries have never really thrived in a position of power. We've always been the kind of this sub, sub, submersive force in the world. And um, I don't know. I think we've we've confused that in our country here too. And let's be real clear. We are not saying Christians are not to participate in politics. Sure. You can run for office. You sure. can do that. This idea of meekness is not saying I don't ever want power. It's to say... I want to use my power and my strength in a way 
that still honors other people sure. and honors God and how that is fleshed out and carried out. Sure. But for us to rise and fall in our joy, that should be constant to say, mm-hmm. if we need Constantinople, um, or we, excuse me, yeah, we need Constantine on the throne. Mm-hmm. You know, we need someone who is going to be a Christian on the throne. Otherwise we are going to be in a really bad spot is it's just historically and quite honestly, biblically untrue. Our joy should not be dependent on that. And so in his third thing, he talks about image bearing and we've spent a lot of time over the last few weeks talking about this. Um, But winsome love is one that acknowledges that we perceive and value all human beings, even those who hate them as image bearers who are entitled to intrinsic worth and dignity Mm -hmm. that we have to love dignity more than despising the depravity. Yeah, I don't I know I mean if people don't get this yet, I don't I don't know. Go back and just re-listen. But we you know, we've discussed this frequently. In two sixteen, he says when we exhibit unloving outrage towards others and don't respect the dignity of every human being, but equate people's worth with their set of values, we become the church at its worst. Mm-hmm. And that is something that we are seeing in the church happen a lot, which is if you don't espouse our values or buy into what we say, then you are morally bankrupt and we don't believe we can tear you down again, because if we don't see you as an image bearer of God, then you are beneath me and I can treat you in every way in any way that I want. Sure. I mentioned this in the good Samaritan podcast in my confession that, uh, about the black lives matter and being able to walk, you know, to acknowledge black lives matter, but not participate in it. And as Christians, we need to not just in principle, but in practice show this idea that every person is worthy of dignity. Sure. Scalia and RBG, both image bearers of God, Lindsey Graham, AOC, both image bearers of God, Joe Mm -hmm. Biden, Donald Trump, both image bearers of God even though uh, vastly different views and politics and worldviews and everything else in between still deserving of dignity. And then the last one that he talks about a quality of winsome love. And you've mentioned this a lot already, Tim, it is sacrificial. Yeah. And we think when we think sacrificial, we think serving, but this is something that I, I, I really like that Stetzer hits this. He says they speak boldly into systems and acts of injustice rather than shrinking back in fear or confusion. And what he's saying is that there are two ways that Christians often engage with the culture. Number one is to just throw hostility and anger out and I don't like what's happening. And so therefore I will, I will shout at you. I will tear you down. But then the other one is silence that we just withdraw and in conflict, neither of those are good. Sure. Trying to destroy the other person or just withdrawing. And he kind of makes the argument that silence can be just as unloving as hostility, especially when we are not speaking out against injustice. Sure. And I think we've, we've seen that. Um, we've seen that in the last few months play out uh, the rhetoric that it's not just enough to be uh, not racist. You have to be anti-racist mm. as well. You have to actually say, yeah, it's not just that. Yeah, sure. I, I don't judge people in the color of their skin, blah, blah, blah. But you actually have to say it is wrong to judge people by the color of your skin. And Stetzer um, uses Bonhoeffer as an an example. Certainly those who know Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one who was a pastor in Nazi Germany. um, And there's a a quote that he has here from Bonhoeffer, which is... um, 
it's an interesting quote because it was written, you know, what, 70 years ago. It was written from some of his letters from prison, and uh, it could be said of today. I'll just paraphrase it here a little bit. He says, we have been silent witnesses of evil deeds. We have learned the art of equivocable speech. Uh, Experience has rendered us as suspicious of human beings, and we have often failed to speak to them in a true and an open word. And here's where it comes down. He says, unbearable conflicts have worn us down and made us cynical. And then he just drops the bomb. He said, are we still of any use? That hits hard. Yeah. I circled that. I underlined it. And then I put stars on the side of it. Are we still to, to ask? And I, I think it's, it's, it's obviously, it's a question that is rhetorical, right? But I think it's a valid question. Yes. The church is always still of use, but if the church is not putting sacrificial, humble, uh, empathetic love towards image bearers of God across aisles and across Mm -hmm. boundaries and across whatever lines that man has created in our society, if we are not being of agape love to the world, honestly, what use are we? Because yeah. I'd like bring it back to what we talked about before. If we are the if we are the bearers of agape love, if we are the messengers of the gospel, and we are just going to kind of hang out with the other kinds of love. We're just hey, you know, we're going to be brothers here. We're just going to have you know this kind of love that everybody has. Then honestly, what 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 use are we? If the church decides to not be light, what use are we? If the church yeah. decides to be silent on the gospel, what use are we? Mm-hmm. And if the church decides to be silent on the fact that some people are treated unfairly and born in the image of God, and it's not just enough to say, I'm not racist, but you actually have to say, no, things are wrong. There are right. things that are wrong, even if you are not engaging in the wrong. The church really should be leading in the way of issues of justice. And I don't think we're doing a very good job in that. And I think... A lot of that has to do with the fact, as you and I can attest, we're still having to convince people in churches that injustice is out there. Mm. That we think, oh no, you know, we're we've talked often about, you know, are we a Christian nation or not? But this, we have these values, and and if you just work hard, everybody can get along, and everybody mm. can get. And it's like, no, there's there is injustice in the world, and you need to be speaking out about that. One of the things that struck me was when I was looking, when I was reading this book is it it talks about, we can't afford to stay silent. Yeah. Right. Because so often we look at it and say that can actually do more damage than the things that we yell out. Because when people look around and they say, I see Jesus talking about injustice and I don't see the church doing anything about that. Then that really makes us as, as those who are representing Christ in the world. What does that mean? That puts us in the way of the gospel again. That, yeah. that that the gospel should be colored by no man. We should be the ones putting the gospel out. But in, un, unfortunately, we put our own sinfulness in as a lens between the world and the gospel. They see the gospel through us, and we're too often bad at showing people the gospel because we don't show the grace in our own life. We act as if we're good, and we act again the the perfect horse that we come in on. And that then makes the gospel have, and it's hard to say the gospel has less power, but in our hands it does. Well, it does for sure, because we dilute it. Either we water it down or we just throw in a whole bunch of stuff that makes it look unappealing because of the way that we live. And so some of you might be saying, well, I don't want to, so now we have to speak out into justice because it will damage our reputation if we don't do it. That's a little bit of it. I mean, in, in terms, but we should be speaking out against injustice and doing things about it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And, and, 
to have to make that argument, it's just, especially, and I love that Stetcher points this out, you should be doing this even when it costs you something. And even if it costs you everything, because this is what we signed on for. It always will, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, that's, and that's why that, we don't. Again, that's what we, right. we won't speak out and we won't love because, uh, you know, I'll love to a point until it costs me too much. Yeah. You know, I, I'll be the good Samaritan and I'll, I'll pay for I'll pay for one night, but I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. You know, I'll come back and square off the rest of the bill. Like I'll just that that's my limit. That's my line. Well, and, and I'm like, glad that Jesus didn't have a line and a limit in His love for us. Yeah. And so now we are jumping into chapter 10. This is going to move a little quicker. Okay. We are going to talk about online activity aligned with gospel mission. So So much room for activities. Activities. We talked a couple weeks ago about Mark Zuckerberg's comment that Facebook is the new church. Yeah. And I still haven't read that. So you're going to have to paraphrase for me. He says that Facebook is the new church. Well, I get that. That's the paraphrase of paraphrase. But why? Because that's where community is happening. Yeah. Now, he misunderstands the whole purpose of church, but sure. he basically is making the argument that church is the was once the hub of social community interaction. Sure. Facebook's the new community center. Facebook is the new community center. Okay, that's what he's okay. saying. And so you're getting together and you're spending time with people who are like-minded with you and you're sure. carrying out these things. So, all right. There's a, some truth in that. There's obviously he's missing a, a much larger spiritual connection of, yeah. of what happens at church and, and why we meet and what we do. But it speaks to the realities of having to engage through social media. And it so much of our lives are rooted in social media and technology and online engagement. We miss that this stuff is like barely a decade old. Yeah. Can I tell you a secret? Please. So I still have a Facebook account, Twitter account, IG account, <gasps> all that kind of stuff. Um, but I engaged with that on desktop or laptop only. So it has been deleted from my phone, Facebook, mm. Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, that's all I had, but it's deleted from my phone. And so I didn't think Josie, it would... I need the, can you get the uh, golf clap applause again? Thank you. No, and we can talk about this later, but I watched the social dilemma and uh, it, it scratched all the places that I itch and it confirmed so many different things. Yeah. And so, I mean, I can always reinstall back, but uh, I, uninstalled it about a week and a half ago. And what I found is interesting is I still find myself reaching for my phone and I, and I wasn't even a big Facebook, you know, I wasn't even right. a big social media guy, but I still sometimes now when I'm on my phone, when I should just be putting it down, I'm, I, I, I'm like searching for, I'm like, Oh, Facebook's not there anymore. Oh, Twitter's not there. And it forces me to put it down. So what do you do now? Instead I, of that, I hang out with my baby, Ugh. my, my two babies, my wife and my baby, my baby, and my baby. Yeah. That was too much information. That was way too much. Hey, we're back to baby town. Yeah. I knew that was going to come back around. No, but there's so much more. There's so much more. I mean, I, and, and I was a very low user of social media. Sure. Very low user. But it's really nice to have some of that gone. Sure. Yeah. Even just as a low user. But I, every time I, on my desktop, I, once a day, I'll check Facebook just to you know go through notifications, any messages, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, I see the same people on there every time just living out their life on social yeah. media. And I'm thinking... Man, it, that's that's rough. That's but I rough. will say, I the will, non-empathy in me wants to say, "Get a life," right? But the pastor in me says, "Man, I love them, and I have so much compassion yeah. for them." But to be clear, you've only you yourself have only gotten a life in the last week since you watched a social dilemma. Oh, yeah, I mean th- that I've I've disconnected myself from it. Yes. Sure. However, I mean I I I was more into social media a few years ago, and I yeah. backed off from that for yeah. sure. So let me 
I guess, let me ask you a question then. And this is going off script a lot, but how do you then with so much of life happening on social media and how do you pastor on social media without being much of a part of it, having much of a presence? Uh, so here's, so I guess you would have to have the question of what quality of life is happening on social media. Okay. Cause there's not much. All right. I mean, it's, it's social media is not deep. It is shallow. It sure. is even the, it is mindless. It is distracting. Uh, there's, there's, I mean, discipleship doesn't happen on Facebook. Discipleship doesn't happen on Twitter. Uh, it can happen over the phone. You can have letters via email and yeah. different things. Um, and you can have meetings via zoom and different things, but, uh, yeah, Facebook posts, you know, I'll just, I'll stick to like throwing up once a month, a picture of my daughter and leave it at that. Yeah. Well, it helps that you have a cute child. It also helps. So many of us don't. Sure. It also helps that I I have other people, uh, who are in leadership of the church who can tell me if something terrible is happening. So. So that's me. Yeah. Yeah. So because I'm, you spend hours proxy. and hours. And I don't. Hours, I really don't. And hours. I don't. No. <laughs> no, I don't. All right. So let me ask you. Okay. In what I consider to be the shallow life lived out on social media, mm-hmm. how have you found your ability to pastor on social media? Do you think that, it, do you find, have you found that it has been quality? I have. Okay. During this season. Now, I've been very careful about what I've posted. I've I'm not been posting a lot. Um, largely, if you go to my Twitter, it's just retweeting smarter and better people sure. who, are, who are saying good things. Um, but one thing that I have noticed, and it has made, and I guess this is where the question comes from, is it just sort of made me reevaluate some of my engagement. Uh, because I was one of the ones who I had participated in arguments years ago, yeah. and now I've just sort of withdrawn, and I went silent. And so when the George Floyd murder took place and there was this uprising again of, uh, racial riots, black lives matter and these things. Sure. Um, I felt like as a pastor, I had to speak into that. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, it ruffled some feathers of people who followed me, who didn't like what I was saying. Sure. But at the same time, I've also gotten a number of messages and had a lot of conversations with the generation that's underneath us that said, I'm so grateful that you are talking about these things because it makes me go, why is the church not saying stuff that just seems so abundantly clear that people have dignity? Why is that so hard? Um, And that to me was made me go, well, it does seem like there is a group of people out there who need to be encouraged through social media Mm -hmm. by seeing pastors step up and speak truth. That isn't just siding with everything that Trump Republicans are saying. No, I, I see I, it. Or I, I don't know other way to say it. Siding with any any one particular group uh, outside of a, <laughs> a biblical group. Um, yeah, no, I I would agree with that, and I I spoke into some of those issues as well. I guess yeah. my and and no one you or no one has to be the same as me, um, but I find that I can still do that without having I can speak in without monitoring. Sure. Like I don't feel like I I don't feel like I need to pick up my phone every hour and check through the feed and see what's going on. Um, even though there were some times where that was, I've realized that was happening. Like I was just, nothing's going on. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to scroll. And I thought, well, why, why am I doing that? There's so many different, more quality things I can be doing. So anyway, it's been, it's been 
a freeing thing for me. So Stetzer gives a number of things that we should be doing and we should not be doing. We're just going to highlight these. And then I've asked Tim and I will both each kind of discuss one okay. and we'll just talk about the do's because the don'ts, we don't want to spend a ton of time on don'ts, but thou shalt not. why don't you give us the three digital don'ts that Stetzer includes in his book? All right. So he says, don't give some sort of a hollow advocacy. Mm. Um, basically meaning you're not going to change the world with your posts. He, he mentions in there a skit from SNL. We, we kind of right. like went on SNL for a little bit. Um, so there's an SNL um, skit called Thank You, Scott, that there's this <laughs> video, um, the song that they're singing to Louis C.K. at the time. This is years ago. Uh, it's hilarious, and it's good. It really yeah. is. I, I actually went back and Googled it and watched it. It was great. Uh, the amount of times that we think if there's a shooting in Paris that if we throw up uh, you know, the red, white, and blue of a, of a French flag on our profile picture and that's going to do anything good, we just we, we kid ourselves into thinking that's commenting prayers and thoughts to someone is T's and to, P's. Yeah. Uh, actually pray, you know, yeah. and actually engage. You commenting prayer, prayer and thoughts is the same as, you know, the same as honestly what happens in the church lobby when somebody says, oh, I'll pray for you. I'm like, yeah. Okay. All right. Why don't yeah. you pray for him right now? That would be great. Yeah. Anyway, so this hollow advocacy that we think we're actually doing something when no one's, it's not changing anything. Uh, anonymous trolling. This is not so much a Facebook thing, but a Twitter thing because there's a ton of anonymous, oh, yeah. um, a ton of anonymous accounts on Twitter where people will just, uh, Twitter's stupid, man. Um, here, here's one thing about Twitter. So uh, I mentioned to you yesterday. So Ken bone, the, the red sweater <laughs> yes. guy from the 2016 debate yep. came out and you mentioned, did I know who Joe Jorgensen is? Jorgensen, Jorgensen, Jorgensen. Uh, anyway, so she, he, he came out and said, listen, I've looked at both of uh, both candidates and I'm, I just wrote in my, and sent in my ballot for Joe Jorgensen. And he got just, he, it, it blew up, went viral. Yeah. I mean, Ken Bone has a verified Twitter account. Right. So, <laughs> We're wearing uh, a red sweater. Yeah, he's got the little little check there. Anyway, but here's what, here's what I found interesting is from the people that I've talked to, people have yelled at me uh, or at least debated with me that uh, because I've told people that I have contemplated voting third party. Yeah. And people say from the right, they say, well, you're throwing your vote away. You might as well sure. just give that. That vote is to Biden. Yep. You know, what's interesting is I'd never heard it until I'd, I kind of scrolled through Ken Bones thing. Everybody from the left was crucifying him saying, you know what? That was just a vote, vote for, for Trump. Trump. And so both yep. sides basically say, if you don't vote for our side yeah. or if you vote third party, you're thrown away to the end. And I don't, it can't be true. No, it's just, it's it not. literally cannot be true. All it is is rhetoric for people. It's just they're trolling you. Let me say this. As far as the anonymous trolling goes, yeah. if you are on Facebook, if you're on Twitter or somewhere along those lines and you want to throw something out there, you better sign your name to sign it. Sign your name. Sign your name to it and then deal with it. If yeah, I mean, the you know, same thing happens. We, we get anonymous emails from people as a pastor who right. this, that, and the other. And I just, I don't respond to anonymity. Yeah. And I also get people who say, hey, Tim, so-and-so said something or so-and-so right. posted something or so-and-so did something. You didn't hear it from me, but you right. need to go. And I'm like, I'm not no, going to do anything with that. I don't believe in ghosts. No, I'm not. It's in, you know, if, 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 if it comes back on me, I'm going to deny, you know, this is, this is not mission impossible that, you know, this yeah. message did not self-destruct. Nope. Anyway, and so I, I don't I don't put any stock in anonymity. Uh, then he also mentions overplaying Matthew 18, and this kind of gets into the uh, you know how we have culture warriors. This is the religious warriors of uh, anytime someone uh, within our own tribe of Christianity 
does something wrong, um, we, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll mention it on, uh, Facebook or something. So like we, we mentioned, uh, in this podcast, we've mentioned, uh, uh, Falwell and we've mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, what's the gentleman who just, we just mentioned last Robbie Zacharias. Zacharias. Thank you. Um, and people will say, did you go talk to them first? You know, have you Matthew 18 with them? And it's like, you know, sometimes we, we're, we're not um, judging these people, but we're simply elevating the conversation so that people see the difference between sin and grace and righteousness and different things. And so uh, you can actually point out, uh, you have to be able to point out some of the nonsense in a, a political figure or a, a, some, a celebrity's life without having to Matthew 18 them because yeah. they're not going to answer your call. You can't right. reach out to them and say, let's sit down as a brother, but you still sometimes have to speak into some things. It's a tactic just to try to say, I don't want to hear other people have this criticism. I don't want to answer it. So just be quiet about it. Yeah. And so then he gives us a number of digital discipleship dues, things yep. that you should be doing online. We're going to hit these real quick. And then each of us are going to kind of jump back in uh, and discuss one. Fun. One, remember that everyone is watching. You have mm-hmm. no idea the damage that you can be doing if mm-hmm. you are out there just spouting off. Choose investment over consumption. You should be evaluating everyone you follow on social media. Mm-hmm. See people, not avatars. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that one. Okay. Uh, make grace the default mode. Grace? Grace. Grace died 30 years ago. The blessing. <laughs> make grace your default mode. We have received grace. Therefore, you should extend grace, uh, not just believe that everyone on the other side is evil, whichever side you are on, or if you're in the middle. Resist, resist the urge to fight every battle. This is how I fight my battle. Battle authority over freedom. Just because we can yeah. doesn't mean we should. Yeah. So real quick, I want to talk about see people, not avatars, because I think this is really important. Okay. We, a, a big thing for me, and I've, I've hit this on the podcast, is the dehumanization of other people. Sure, and I know you don't like the Avatar movie, so anyway. I don't. I hate the Avatar movie. You should never watch the Avatar movie. Stetzer says that dehumanization is the work of the enemy of God, not the lover of Jesus. Yeah. If you are doing things to dehumanize the other person in the argument, other people, you are not walking in the way that Jesus. Now I'm not ever going to say that I'm doing everything that Jesus told me to do perfectly, but this is definitely something where we go. We have to recognize image bearers of God, give them dignity. Do not dehumanize them today. I was so discouraged. I was was flipping through social media and I know I'm sure you followed the, Babylon B. Well, when you did, when you were active. Yeah. So I used to really enjoy the Babylon B. They used to be so funny and just pick on Christians and everything that we do. And like, I totally, it's like, it's full on political now. A hundred percent. And it's, and it's, it's awful. And not only are they just embrace that and say, Hey, we're going full on political and we are pretty much just going to go after one side. It has emboldened their commenters to just say anything. And, and after the debate last night, uh, they put out something that was pretty sexist Mm -hmm. towards, uh, Kamala Harris, um, things that would not have been said about any of the other men in the debate. And the commenters on that post just made me go. What is so scary to me is I'm pretty sure all of these people are Christians Mm. and it was, the comments were horribly sexist incredibly racist, downright nasty in, in some of their sexual innuendo. And I went, Hmm, 
Yeah, I got to evaluate everybody I follow on social media. And yeah. uh, today was the day I said goodbye to the Babylon Bee. Well, uh, sometimes you, when the people of God get exiled from the city of God, they end up looking too much like Babylon. Oh, hey, that's um, great. How so, about you? Yeah. So w- when you say you don't like Avatar, uh, I've seen some people like have flags and T-shirts that say Blue Lives Matter. Is that the same thing? With It is not. Oh, no, it's about okay. the police. Oh, gotcha. Nobody actually likes Avatar, the movie. No. Because anyway, all right. Uh, let me. So, in terms of the do, uh, he mentions there, as you talked about earlier, remember that everyone is watching, or at least some people are watching. Certainly, in my case, everyone is not watching, and I know that I don't have a huge following. So, sometimes I feel like I can say things, you know, and it's easier, honestly, to say some things in a room where we only have three here, forgetting that actually people are going to listen to a podcast, especially anyway. in Russia. Yeah. Hi, Putin. Um, and Ed. So anyway, there, there's, I'm going to actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fast forward my, um, my confession up to here instead it's of good, saying because I'm going to jump thing, into confession now anyway, instead of saying the same thing twice. So confession for me, again, I'm a sports guy and football, basketball, baseball, all these different th- kind of things. And I, during games, if I'm sitting on the couch, like I'd love to scroll through Twitter and just see some of the, uh, some of the, you, you get like behind the scenes information on injuries and those things that are happening, all that kind of stuff. So, Scrolling through, but you also get fans who come on and troll, you know, if, you know, the score is against you or for you, whatever it may be. And I, and I remember there was a time a few years back where I kind of got into this little kind of Twitter war with this guy going kind of back and forth. And it was, you know, it, it was a, uh, it was commenting, uh, subtweeting on someone else's tweet, like, you know, just like some guy who's a journalist. And I was going back and forth and I wasn't being very Christ like at all, being, you know, kind of just mean and nasty. And, yeah. I was fighting fire with fire, right? I was not pouring water on the fire. And anyway, so, but who's going to see it, right? Nobody's going to see it. And then a couple of weeks later, somebody um, at church mentioned, hey, I saw you talking with that guy, tweeting back and forth with that guy. And I'm like, what? You saw? Oh, whoops. Yep. Uh, people are watching for sure. Uh, even if you feel like you've got some sort of a vacuum where, hey, I've got five minutes where I can not act like a Christian here for a second. Let me lose yep. my religion and just go off on this dude. Uh, it's not, 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 not possible. Not worth it either. No. So I want to jump. I've kind of, uh, yeah, I, I kind of alluded to my confession here earlier. Um, in the hunting for the nightmare, this was something I definitely did. Um, in debates, it made me feel good to make other people feel dumb. Mm. And I would go out and I would get just enough information about a topic to be able to debate someone on it, knowing that I probably did 10 more seconds of research than they did. And I could throw out statistics and then just watch them, you know, act like they were a candidate at the vice presidential debate and not actually answer any of my questions. And I just would walk away feeling just superior, not like morally superior, just like I'm smarter than you. I have gotten you to just not answer any of my questions and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm the big brain and you are the Dumbo. Do we have a sound effect for a pat on the back that you could throw in Joe? Okay. He just nodded. Yeah. He's typing in pat on the back soundtrack. (laughs) Sound effect. Now, and, and that's, and that's it. And I, I, I see other people doing it. I'm not calling out them. I'm calling out me to go there. I have been trying to be very grace filled in my engagement with other people. Uh, because I know that sometimes I could, if, if, if I left to my own devices, I would just enjoy beating someone in a debate sure. and then making me feel like I have won when all I've really done is just hurt somebody. And that doesn't feel great at all. Sure. 
And so it's about time to start wrapping this up with some great Christian people. I want to go first. Do it. And my great Christian person has actually changed since we started this podcast. Oh, wow. And I don't mean like weeks ago. I'm talking about I came in here prepared. You're going to say me? I am. For real. For real. See, I was just. <laughs> For real. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me let me sit up straight. Let me look you right in the eye. Fitted. It's gonna th- I'm going to look you right in the eye, and I'm going to make this so uncomfortable when you say it. Go ahead. Josie's taking a picture of this. My eyebrow is dancing Your all eyebrow around. is dancing. Okay. <laughs> So my the great Christian person, the person that I want to honor today, it's sort of, would you stop making that okay. face? Go ahead. Go ahead. This Be is serious. hard enough. Be okay. I would like to do a shout out to my pastor, Timothy Jane Byer. James. Jane. I don't know how I got that wrong. Yeah. Um, I was going to actually talk about another pastor who his, I, I've learned a lot from and I've, I've listened to, and I think he's doing a great job. But when we were talking about, uh, sacrifice and the the portion on sacrifice and being silent in the midst of the outrage. Um, You have not done that in the, in the moments where calls for justice and, and and here's the thing. A lot of pastors are now talking about justice. You have been talking about that for years Mm -hmm. and you have been willing to take shots and arrows and things from people who don't like you talking about that because you step on their toes you are willing to step on toes because it is the truth and it's what Jesus would have you do. I have talked to many people when I, when I said I got messages from people saying how much they enjoy, you know, or, or appreciate hearing the stuff that I've said on Facebook, they have included you in that. And the videos that they've seen on, uh, on Facebook, the posts that you have put out, how they said it has really meant a lot to them that they have, have a pastor who is willing to speak out and to do the hard work knowing that there's going to be some pushback from people who are also important to our church. Yeah. And so I just want to say this also, I want to comment that this is the first time in the episode today that you have not jumped in to interrupt me at any point. <laughs> You're totally content no, yeah. with me Come just on, continuing on. on the, yeah. So anyway, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you. Uh, that is, that is something that, that uh, I, I am, I'm glad to be a part of and have you at the helm. Well, my great, oh God, edit, my great Christian, my great Christian person has changed also since the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> Actually, I, quit. I didn't. I mean, I didn't have a great Christian person, but I'm. Okay. I'm also thankful for. Uh, I'm thankful for you taking the stand that you took. That you Doesn't take matter. as well. That's and, too late. And also, uh, I'm. I'm also thankful that you have scaled back some of your <laughs> social media arguments because it used to drive me insane Yeah, to watch you comment like a, a book to people going, I'm not even going to read that. But now I'm not even on Facebook, so you, you are, are watching it all the time. So I could be talking about something that you still struggle with. Who knows? I don't know. No. Um, is that all you were going to say? Yeah. You don't want to say more? No. That's if all you, I got. You ta- we can always edit back and you can take another run at it. I mean, I went for a while on oh, you. Okay. And of course, I mean, I don't want to say I was prepared to talk about you because I guess I wasn't, but you, I think, just did it in response to me. So I don't think this one counts. So you can use me in Later future, on. In future okay. weeks. All right. So, All right. so Tim didn't have that. one no. this week, No. but I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. Uh, guys, you know what? You know who else I'm grateful for? Josiah. Josiah. Yeah. Josiah. What a man. Dude, I'm so grateful for what you. What a mighty for good man. What a, what a mighty, mighty, mighty good, good man. What a man. What a man. 
Oh, Josie. He's too young for that song. He's too irritated at us to be like, you guys have gone on way too long. Is there anybody else? Hey, is there anybody in the hallway that we can say we're thankful for you? Anyway, we love you. We love you in the hallway. With winsome love. Josie's laughing. I've been trying all episode to get him happy. And, uh, and, and now he's back to not smiling. He did it. He did it. And guys, we are so grateful for you. You all are great Christian people, and we thank you for being our friends. Grazie. Thank you for being a part of what we are doing. Thank you for all of the messages that we have gotten over the past uh, few weeks. We would love for that to continue. Please yeah. make sure that you follow us, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GCPPod, or email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. We know we might have stirred some things up. We would love a chance to talk to you about that. Mm. Next week, we conclude our Christians in the Age of Outrage series. It is our election, election episode. Day. Chapters 8 and 11 of Christians in the Age of Outrage to finish out. We have been called to a better way. So what is that calling? What is our identity as Christians? Not just how we are to live, but who we are to be in Christians in the Age of Outrage. And until then, be good. Yeah. been listening to good christian people the podcast today's episode was produced on october 8th 2020 by jeff higgins and tim byer two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, maryland if you'd like to find more of our content please check us out online at goodchristianpod.com or by following us on twitter at at Welcome to Sal's Bog and Sound Effects, the finest purveyor of auditory treats this side of the Mississippi. We got you covered for all of your miscellaneous purchases of sound effects. Need the sound of a man falling down the stairs in a Hanna-Barbera cartoon? We got you covered. Need the sound of an electric keyboard in a power outage? No problem. We got it. Keep referencing a golf clap you think your producer's going to edit into a podcast? He may not edit it in, but rest assured he's got them. We've even got the sound of an ominous fart. So don't delay. Call Salzburg and sound effects today.